Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. In the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. <laughs> You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But what he didn't know is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at $27.78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualified. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 2 23 What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the misty mountain hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Kotz. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim and I welcome Donnie Harrison and his band, The New Number Two. We're going to talk to Donnie about his esteemed musical roots, the perils of celebrity, and even The Prisoner. Plus, Greg and I will review the new album from controversial R&B singer Chris Brown. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. Mr. Cott, that is Susan Boyle, the British phenomenon, with her version of Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones. We talked about her last week. We have to do a follow-up because she has made chart history with her debut album, I Dreamed a Dream. Released last week, it has broken records all around the world. It's the number one album on the Billboard album charts in the U.S. this week. She sold 701 thousand copies of I Dreamed a Dream. Numbers nobody has done for a debut album. You have to go all the way back to Snoop Dogg's first album (laughs) in 1993, okay? And that is at a point when CDs dominated the marketplace. As we well know, physical product has been declining precipitously every year for the last couple of years. It's down to like some 70% of the music sold. Everything is moving to the digital realm. An interesting phenomenon with all this music that Boyle is selling in the States, only 39,000 of those 701,000 copies of the album sold were as iTunes downloads, Hmm. which says to me, (laughs) these are people who who are perhaps older and are not used to downloading music from the net and are buying it because that's what they used to always do. And now the industry has given them something to buy and they're going back to record stores in phenomenal numbers. It's going to make the year for Columbia Records. And you know, see, the worst thing about this is neither you nor I were fans of this Boyle record because it's it's pretty schlocky. We gave our opinions. All right, fine. But you know, there are now going to be 50 more attempts like this to tap that market because that's what the record industry does whenever it finds a way to make money. 
I fought the law from the Bobby Fuller Four. The reason we're playing that song, that uh, big 1965 hit uh, that has been covered by numerous artists, including The Clash, is because the man who discovered the Bobby Fuller Four and many other bands like that during the late 50s and early 60s is dead. Bob Keen, the founder of Delphi Records, dead at the age of 87. He is an um, underrated pioneer of the garage rock gym. Long before the Beatles hit these shores, long before the Beatles inspired every kid in America to pick up a guitar and join a band, Bob Keen was looking at rock and roll and finding bands and putting them in these primitive, raw circumstances to document what it was that they were trying to do. He had the delphonic sound, very primitive reverb on tape delay that gave these bands that raw sound that is so prized by collectors now. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the bands that Keen signed have a lot more shelf life now because he didn't try to ornament them or sugar them up or water them down in any way. He, he presented them as they were. He's a timeless god of garage rock who belongs up there with Sam Phillips or the Chess Brothers, and yet, you know, it's a name that people don't know as well. One of the reasons he probably doesn't get uh, the applause that he deserves is that he uh, shut down the label after about a decade. He started it on the back of this 17-year-old Mexican-American kid named Richie Valens in the late 50s. Had a bunch of hits with Valens. Valens died tragically within a year of signing with the label in that infamous plane crash that took down the Big Bopper and, and Buddy Holly. 17 years old. Yeah, unbelievable, right? But in that time, recorded a bunch of classic garage rock singles and went on to sign other artists like Bobby Fuller. Also walking through the doors of Delphi at the time to work as producers and getting their start in the music career. Get this, people like Frank Zappa. Barry White, one of your favorites, Jim. Uh, Kim Fowley released some early music by Sam Cooke. So in a very short amount of time, Bob Keane, one of the leading figures in that L.A. music scene. And when Fuller died at the age of 23 in 1966, that took the heart out of Bob Keane. He ended up uh, dropping out of the record business after that. You know, the fact that two of his biggest stars died so young, Valens and then uh, Fuller, really discouraged him to continue on in the business. But in that decade, did a lot of great work. And uh, we'll leave you in tribute to Bob Keane with uh, one of his greatest discoveries, Richie Valens with a 1958 song called Come On, Let's Go on Sound Opinions. Valens with Come On, Let's Go, his 1958 hit for the Delphi label run by one Bob Keane, who died at the age of 87.
You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a song called Yomp from a band called The New Number Two with a debut album, You Are Here. The New Number Two is the, uh, the new number one for Donnie Harrison, the only son of Beatle George Harrison. Donnie's got an interesting backstory. He grew up in a musical household, obviously. He uh, grew up watching his father record with people like Ravi Shankar, been in a recording studio all his life, but tried mightily to avoid the inevitability of being a musician. Went to school to study aerodynamics, started tinkering around with building Formula One racing cars, has also dabbled in the music video game business as well, but really came back to his heart with the new number two. And we had Donnie and the band in the Sound Opinion studios recently. Uh, Donnie with uh, Jonathan Sadoff and Jeremy Facone on guitars, Nick Fife on bass, and Frank Zummo on drums. Greg, we had the band perform acoustically, which made for a really unique performance. But when we first saw them last summer at Lollapalooza here in Chicago, they were on stage with this amazing array of analog gear. Looked like radio heads, uh, <laughs> cast-offs up there. And Donnie was wearing this weird pirate hat. We started out by asking him about that show and the setup on stage. There's some fun stuff we put together. Someone described it. I think it might have even been you. Something that I <laughs> built by something like a Radio Shack or something. But, um, well, that but, was one of the charms. Yeah, and you, yeah, you, know, no, you no, were no. twirling knobs and you're playing guitar. And yeah, you're no, it was, um, it's actually a series of Korg Chaos pads that I put together so that I could use them as a sort of quad deck mixing system mm. instead of just using it as an effect. Um, I'm using them more as just samplers because there's a lot of sounds that are on the record that came from really random places such as you know someone's girlfriend who turned up at four in the morning and sang a line and then never saw her ever again and you know so that's like a main feature in one of the songs and so I had to sample her so that I could play her voice as an instrument. That's why the chaos pads come in handy because you can kind of scrub audio on both sides. Basically, I use four during the first song and then it kind of degrades from there. <laughs> <laughs> a phys- physics major at Brown University, right? Well, I was trying. I, I, never, yeah. I never actually, I missed, there was one something I missed on thermodynamics that I never quite got. So I don't <laughs> think I've actually got my physics degree. I've got industrial design or something else. But, um, yeah, that's what I studied. Well, it's interesting, t- too, how the band has evolved because you get a certain impression from the debut record of the new number two, You Are Here, of what you guys were going to sound like and what it's going to be. This band started out as a collaboration between you and your childhood friend, Ali Hex, correct? Mm-hmm. And now evolved through several lineup changes. The lineup has changed yet again since we saw you a few months ago. Yeah, it's, uh, this, this is the... Um, I, I feel like a football or a soccer, as you would say, team manager. You know, it's like, what's the team I'm going to field against Wolfmother? <laughs> <laughs> Who you're touring with and currently. And this is the, yeah. this is the, the, the pirate metal team. pirate team that, mm-hmm. I, I, that I'm fielding against Wolfmother. And... Um, Jason Hill is uh, sitting this one out. We've got Nick Fife, who actually played on the original record, who's an old pal of mine from mm-hmm. England. And uh, Frank Zumo, who's recently been standing in for Tommy Lee on Crew Fest. Mm-hmm. So, oh my it's, goodness. you know, uh, he's, he's taken Ollie's place on this tour. And, and Jeremy was kind of disconcerted because there were some people headbanging to our show last night, and he was trying to tell them to stop. It's just kind of awkward to see people headbanging to our music. It's not <laughs> something that. Well, they were getting ready for Wolf Mother, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Got to loosen up the neck muscles first. And then, of course, there's Jonathan as well. Yeah, uh, that's me. Yeah. Jonathan, the homeboy. Yeah, Chicagoan. Very good. Back good home. to have you back. Thank but before you. we continue, let's get a song. What are we going to hear, Donnie? Um, I think we'll start with the one that we did acoustic last time we were here in Chicago. We'll start with Shelter, which is a more mellow song off the record. This is the even mellower version, so we'll see how this one goes. This is called Shelter. Young tree 
That's Shelter, performed live by the new number two on Sound Opinions. We're going to have more with the new number two after a short break on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. And then later on, Jim and I are going to review the new Chris Brown record, and I'll add a track to the Desert Island Jukebox. I'm rolling your way, road trip, travel later. Step on for a while and discover your complaints, yeah. You're pushing me, you're pushing me, I push a printer laser. Back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. You're listening to our conversation with Donnie Harrison and his band, The New Number Two. Donnie is the son of the Beatle George Harrison, but avoided music for a long time, did many other things, and got to music through a circuitous route. Didn't release the new number two album until he was in his 30s. And I asked Donnie about why he was so reluctant to embrace his musical roots. You're kind of a late bloomer in some ways. <laughs> Got to this yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah. I was hoping you wouldn't notice. This. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you're around music all the time. Yeah. And you know, we were talking a few weeks ago, and it, you were sort of fighting the fact that you were around music all the time, and in some ways trying to do something else. And you were good at other things, but I think eventually it, ended up back here. Yeah, I think it was just one of those ones where if I, if I was going to put myself through the sort of things that I'd seen the other kids go through, you know? Um, if I was going to put myself through the firing line, as it were, I was just kind of trying to get ready to make sure that I was ready, you know? And I wanted to feel like it was inevitable and that I didn't have have a choice. Because when I was younger, I did have a choice and I could have gone and done other things. And then when, once all those other things worked and I still wanted to do music, then I realized, okay, now... And I'm a bit older and I can deal with it now. Plus... When my dad was alive, there was so much of his work that I was working on with him, and I very rarely got around to making my own stuff. And once he was gone, it was kind of like I got the boost and the pain and the everything that I needed to kind of go over the edge, you know? So I think that that was... I think it was lucky for me, really, in a way that I didn't start until now. That is something I think people don't realize, is that because your father was a guy who didn't always go out and brag about himself, right? And, and neither have you been. But you contributed songs to the Traveling Wilburys record, is that right? We've played with them and been on both Wilbur records and actually managed to put in a little appearance on the remastering of All Things Must Pass, which was a record that was made before I was even born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite, a, quite a distance. <laughs> yeah. okay, in the liner notes of that one, that made me laugh. They found a blue on the ground she never came to hear again Maxine, 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 Maxine But there were no press releases about any of that. No, you weren't we, out there trumpeting it. No, we never talk about any of that stuff. I think I appeared as Ayrton Wilbury or something. <laughs> well, and, and, and your dad was always such a self-effacing and grounded guy in a lot of ways, kind of otherworldly in a way, to be that level-headed after what he'd been through in terms of just the, the glare of that. Did he counsel you against, you know, perhaps yeah, I mean, doing this as a way of, of he, making a living? Yeah, well, he told me I was never going to make a living doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I studied hard. Um, but, you know, I think it's more important that he saw that I was happy, you know, and, and he was whatever made me happy. You know, that's what I said to someone in the other day in this interview. Someone said, oh, your dad told you not to be famous. And I said, well, you know, it's 
true, but he had the choice to be famous or not be famous, and he became famous, whereas I was born with that level of hassle just because of being born, so I didn't have the choice. So at least if you're going to be in my position anyway, you might as well be there for doing something that's actually good rather <laughs> than just being famous for the sake of being born or you know, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. done nothing or celebrity or whatever, which is my least favorite form of fame. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you studied at University Brown University. I mean, it's a high-level institution, worked with racing cars, designing things. I mean, you're obviously skilled in many areas. Yeah, that's why What I was a tipping point for an, you? An aerodynamicist? Yeah. Was that, that was your career? I tried to be an aerodynamicist, but then it involved like another nine years of aeronautical <laughs> engineering that I didn't want to take. So but still, you were close. I, I can't bailed. even pronounce it. I you were, you were doing... I bailed on that one. Because <laughs> um, I grew up in the studio, so I love tech this is the happiest I've been, I think, since we've been on the road. Being back in this room. We right all now. walked in, we're like, oh, home. oh studio. recording studio. studio. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> it's like being on a pirate ship is kind of gets a bit far out sometimes. It's nice to be around a load of mics and headphones. <laughs> so why not become a producer? Um, that's kind of what I hope to do, actually. I really, mm. I mean, this record was my first, well, actually, I ended up working with Jeff Lynne with my dad's last record. and. Um, we won a Grammy for that, which was actually really good. And so I thought, well, maybe I could do that. Um, that would be a good laugh. So I tried to produce this record. I think with this kind of music, I've got a really clear idea of what I want. I'm not sure about producing other people. I think with myself, I'll always want to be really there or co-producing. Well, uh, can you give us another song? Tell yeah, us what, sure. Tell us what you want to play. Um, <clears throat> what do you guys want to do? Crazy do you want to try Crazy Tuesday? Okay, we've got John over there on the piano now. Yep, sounds lovely. You're Steinway in here. And um, Jeremy's going to start it, so be ready. Stop. 
both night and day. Crazy Tuesday by the new number two here on Sound Opinions. Um, Donnie, let me ask you, you know, you, you mentioned before not wanting to follow in the path of the other kids. Of course, Julian Lennon, Sean Lennon both have had musical careers, and they were launched with a lot of hype, right? The new number two's album, You Are Here, came out in 2008. No hype whatsoever. Um, I just wanted to get the right response to the right thing. It's like the reason we chose the name the new number two ages ago is so that we could get it heard maybe a couple times before people worked it out and then had some preconceived idea of that or just you know made any opinions I think it's good to be able to get things seen or heard totally anonymously so that when you have an opinion of it you you think I like that or I don't like that for whatever reason it's up to you it's not up to the the press or the hype or anything and plus you know I did this in America with these guys here and you know the English press they don't give you much time to have a band and do any showcases or anything before they're yeah. all down your throats telling you everyone that you suck or that you're or you're amazing you know it's like it's too much hype in being in my position so I try and get it just get on with the music first and then you have an organic success behind your music or an organic failure <laughs> well and, and the, the name before we get away from it we should for those not hip enough to be in the know the new number two of course was from the original prisoner where every episode Patrick McGowan in this mysterious village was confronted by a new tormentor it was a new number two every week Yes. How do we feel about the AMC remake? Um, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out about it. I've, I haven't actually seen it yet, but I've heard that he's not a secret agent. He is a programmer and that there's only one number two. So there's no more new number two other than us, apparently. And I read a thing with Ian McKellen saying that he wasn't even into the original. Oh. So I was just thinking, oh, God. Uh, and they didn't shoot it in Port, Port Myron, which is uh, the most incredible Welsh village that they shot the original in. It was built by a loony genius architect called Sir Clough William Ellis who took different bits of architecture from around the Europe and rebuilt them in this one village. So I think that's the whole charm of it, to me, is almost already gone. I'm sure there's going to be amazing stuff in it. I'm sure it looks fantastic. But <laughs> yeah. um, I, I recommend to see the original before anyone watches the new one. You are listening to Sound Opinions. We're here in the studio with the new number two. Can we get another song? Yeah, um, I'm just going to do one by myself now. I'll give you a little lullaby so you can all go to bed. This one's called Life Off, and this is the last track on the record. All day you run around like a wrecking crew 
Picking up my destruction or trail Only way I know how hard I can wail Eating with the one fork and knife I might die, I'll take the rest of my life off I might die, I'll take the rest of my life off moon and I get way out of hand Sleeping with your thought at night I might die or take the rest of my life off Oh, take, take, take All you do is take Oh, take, take, take All you do is take such a shame, oh, take, 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 go. Take, 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 oh, take, 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 all you do is take. You never change. In and out, my attention is pale. I'm only waiting for my courage to fail Could it be just for one night? I might die, I'll take the rest of my life off Oh, take, 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 all you do is take Take, 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 man, it's such a shame Instructional trail Indication that I'm living and well The crescent moon and I get way out of hand I think we're somewhere new to Beverly Glen I think we're somewhere near to Beverly Glen stuff nice one life off from the new number two donnie harrison jonathan jeremy nick frank thanks for being here today thank you very much thank guys you. cheers for having us
To listen to the new number two's complete live performance, visit soundopinions.org. To make a comment on the air about this interview or anything in the rock world, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with a review of the new album by R&B singer Chris Brown, as well as Greg's Desert Island Jukebox pick. The cattle's you leave will never grow into a tree. Feelings you keep or leave the bind you or set you free. Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. That is Chris Brown and the single, I Can Transform You. First single from his third album, Graffiti, which just came out. One of the most anticipated uh, pop R&B releases of the year. But what a backstory there is, Mr. Cott. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Chris Brown's career. He started as a teenager. First album, self-titled, 2005. Follow-up, exclusive in 2007. Both of those positioning him as the hottest rising star in R&B. Kind of taking equal parts, Usher and R. Kelly, putting them together in his sound, except even at his lustiest, this young man had a sort of huggable innocence. Mm -hmm. You know, he could be singing the pretty hot and heavy bedroom jams there, but people loved this kid because he just seemed, you know, the exuberant personality just came out of the speakers and whenever you saw him perform live. Then a funny thing happened on the way to the Grammys in 2009. Brown eventually pled guilty to felony assault for beating his girlfriend, Rihanna, whose album we reviewed last week on Sound Opinions. It's interesting that they're following so close. He did a considerable amount of time on probation, and and he's forced to do domestic violence counseling. He's had to do uh, public work. And, you know, the controversy is, can people accept this guy singing sweet expressions of love now that uh, he's pled guilty to to a pretty horrible crime? Rihanna talks about that relationship and the aftermath on her new album, Rated R, and Brown addresses it as well. Let's listen to a track from Graffiti. In fact, the central track, 13 songs on the album. This comes smack dab in the middle. It's called Famous Girl. Uh, you know, you have a top dollar team of production talent, as is de rigueur with any R&B record today. This one includes Swiss Beats and uh, Polo de Don. You know, you have a lot of stylistic experimentation that Brown is doing in the third time in the studio. But everybody's going to wonder what's going on with Rihanna. What does he have to say? Here is that song. Famous Girl on Sound Opinions.
girl from Chris Brown and the new album Graffiti. Jim, you're absolutely right. The 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room is this horrible incident that occurred between this couple earlier this year. For Chris Brown not to address it in some way in this album, I suppose, would have been disingenuous. If I had been managing his career, which I'm not, obviously, I would have told him just to lay low for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Greg, we get this all the time. Is it right for you guys as critics to mm-hmm. bring up ugly incidents in people's past? To me, the key dividing line is if you're trying to make art by talking about that incident, then it's fair for me as a critic to talk about it as well. Well, absolutely. Uh, Brown has made it a part of his marketing campaign. He is out there publicly trying to rehabilitate his image as we speak. He's gone on this club tour. He's gone on Larry King Live to talk about this incident. And he's selling an album with several songs that directly address his relationship with Rihanna. That song, to my mind, is the one that turns the album for me because he's turning the blame back on her. The victimizer now turning himself into a victim. Yeah. There's a couple of more songs on this album where he basically says, pity me, feel sorry for me. Yeah. I'm a celebrity and I'm in, the, I'm in the limelight and can't anybody give me a break? There's only one song where he actually offers something of an apology and I'm not sure how contrite it is. The other half of this album fits in with the motif that he's talking about on the album cover, the image that he's projecting, this android holding a guitar. That seems to be a big thing in R&B these days. Uh, Lil Wayne's next album's got yeah. him holding a guitar on it as well. And he is referencing some of these musical styles, goth, new wave, electro rock, that Rihanna is also expanding her sound with on her album. But had he just done the club bangers, this would have been a fine, innocuous album. But he turns it into this he said, she said type of game that Rihanna never stooped to on her record. Her record was really a reflection of what was going on in her life and her personal turmoil and her reaction to it without turning it into a public relations ploy. And that's what I feel we're listening to here, Jim. I've got to say this is a trash at record because he's turning it into this sordid tabloid-esque platform for his music. Greg, I think it would be a trash it for me as well, even if it was just for the music. You know, there are several horribly failed experiments. We heard that track up top, I Can Transform You, which is like electronic robot dance hall. There's a couple of bids at electro dance pop. But then you add the other thing about, you know, Rihanna on the key track on Rated R, Stupid Girl, is looking at herself, excoriating herself and saying, how could I have been so stupid Mm -hmm. to be in in an abusive relationship? He is looking at her and saying, you cheated first. Well, I I cheated too, but then I broke out the windows of your Range Rover, an incident that happened in Barbados. And then to top it all off, he he throws in her face, and I wrote Disturbia for you. That was one of the big hits that followed Mm -hmm. Umbrella. I mean, wow, this guy is just a world-class creep. And sometimes the critic has to deal with, can great art be made by reprehensible human beings? This is not great art. This is thoroughly mediocre to slash garbage art made by a potentially reprehensible human being. Double trash it. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Oh, that is one of our favorite sounds on Sound Opinions. It means that it's time for Greg or I to take a turn and uh, pop a quarter in the Desert Island jukebox, play you a song we can't live without. I'm eager to hear what you have for us, Mr. Cock. Well, thank you, Jim. Our conversation with Donnie Harrison obviously got me thinking about George Harrison, uh, one of the most underrated guitar players on the planet as far as I'm concerned. He was in one of the most famous bands, if not the most famous rock band of all time. But I never really thought that Harrison got his due for his contributions to that band, both as a songwriter and especially as a guitar player. Harrison was a big fan 
of some fairly obscure guitar geniuses from the 50s that very much influenced his style. You know, Scotty Moore, who played with Elvis Presley, nobody really knows who Scotty Moore was, but he was the guy that made that sound in those Sun Session studios with Presley in the early 50s. There was also people like Carl Perkins. In fact, Carl Perkins was the artist that the Beatles covered the most. Mm -hmm. And Carl was not a giant. In those Sun Studios days of the 50s, he was eclipsed by people like Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash. But the Beatles adored Perkins, and George Harrison in particular copped a lot of licks from Carl Perkins' guitar style. That rockabilly picking, that little bit of reverb and tremolo on those single note runs that he would play. And then he brought his own thing into it. That Mersey beat sound that the Beatles basically made and turned into a mountain of gold. In particular, I would like to play a track that references the Beatles' love for Carl Perkins and also highlights George Harrison's skill as a guitar player. A lot of people don't talk about his solos, but I want you to listen to the first solo. Harrison also sings the lead vocal, but that tumbling run of chords right at the end of the solo, he takes Carl Perkins and brings it into the modern era. It is a great tribute to two quiet guys who never really got their due, but were genius guitar players. George Harrison and the Beatles paying tribute to Carl Perkins, one of their heroes, on one of Carl Perkins' greatest songs. Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby from the Beatles' BBC sessions of 1964 on Sound Opinions. Well, he took some honey from a tree Dressed it up and they called him Everybody's trying to be my baby Everybody's trying to be my baby Everybody's trying to be my baby now When I last night, half past four Knocking on my door Everybody's trying to be my baby Everybody's trying to be my baby Everybody's trying to be my baby now That's the Beatles on Sound Opinions with George Harrison tearing it up on a Carl Perkins cover. Everybody's trying to be my baby. Mr. Cott, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, it's time for us to ante up next week, my friend. Our top albums of 2009, we're going to declare our favorites next week. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say. Mary Gaffney recorded the new number two, Donnie Harrison's band. Our show was produced, as always, by our wonderfully wicked team of Jason Saldana (laughs) and Robin Lynn. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, is Tori Southside Malatia, a man who insists he is not a number, but he's really our number one. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. Call me when you're home and on and on, girl. Call me any minute, any 
messages. Hey, Greg and Jim. This is Dan from Lake Zurich. Regarding your turkey-themed show, don't worry, guys. No one really believes for a second that you don't love Dylan's version of Must Be Santa. There is absolutely no doubt of Bob's sincerity and passion and fun being had here. And there is no greater example of great Tex-Mex music played by his band of world-class musicians. We get it. You've got a turkey theme going, and it's more fun to knock the biggies. But I just know you both crank the video for this song and dance around your computer screen with Bob as he does the Tarantella. It's fantastically infectious. Love the show, guys. Who's got a beard that's long and white? Santa's got a beard that's long and white. Who comes around on special night? Santa comes around on special night. Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Santa Claus. Hi. I'm not a very sophisticated music person, and I've been listening to your turkey program, at least on and off, as I was in and out of the car. Just I want to say about Susan Boyle, uh, since you were talking about her previously, is that I just can't help but think that, you know, she's a common person and kind of represents a triumph, uh, which is exciting and wonderful. And she does have a, a beautiful voice. Uh, whether you like her music or not. Uh, just uh, the quality of her voice is, is wonderful. Amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch Her story kind of is above the norm, you know. It was not a manufactured story, and it's the common people that say that they really love her. Thanks a lot. Um, my name is Maggie. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. They're calling from Dover, New Hampshire. In response to your Turkeys of 2009 program, and I've actually got a surprise winner, and I'm sad to say it's Wilco, the album. I'm a huge fan of Wilco. However, I think that they've kind of jumped the shark on this one, where it isn't kind of monotonous. It's boring and repetitive. It's kind of like listening to a jackhammer, except I think that a jackhammer would be a little bit more melodious and interesting and Tweety, I think, is starting to slip on his lyrics. For instance, every wave that hits the shore, every book that I adore, gone like a circus, gone like a troubadour, um, everlasting love, forevermore. I mean, come on, that's just terrible. Terrible. Every wave that hits the shore, every book that I adore, like a circus going like through the door Everlasting love forevermore Everlasting Everything Sadly, I found this effort unlistenable and since I purchased it, I've listened to it four times each time hoping I like it and each time, sadly disappointed. Peace, guys. You do an awesome job. Thanks. Oh, I know this might sound sad. Everything goes both good and the bad. No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you I'm can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. 
I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms.